Welcome back. We are back with another edition of the Fantasy 40 Podcast with myself, John DeBari, my co-host, Mr. Matt Walker. And as always, brought to you by our friends at Expand the Box Score. Be sure to go check out Expand the Box Score. Use the promo code 40 to get four days free for some advanced data and stats. Speaking of data and stats, it's a big week for that as we are recording Monday of NFL Draft Week. Walk on, how dun, you doing? Dun. You excited for the draft? And uh, let the people know what we're doing today. This is your baby. Yeah, I mean, we got here, John. Yeah, this last month was yeah. Let's 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 put some shit together here. Yeah, we went positional dynasty rankings, and then right on the the eve of the draft. Now, hopefully Wednesday, uh, we will be releasing our ideal landing spot episode for the top positional, you know, offensive positional players. I mean, we, we play IDP, but we're not we're not getting into those weeds where, you know, best landed the four three versus the three four and what oh. team and where's his average draft position at. Sorry, we're just going offensive today. But no, I'd love to draft. I'm a I'm a big draft nerd. I'll sit there and watch literally picks on day three, honestly. It's just no. I I, don't know, I, I, find, like, I find so much excitement in it. I enjoy it the opposite order. I like day three the most because the picks just fly in. Yeah, and like for fantasy, there's still a lot of viable guys coming off in, in day four, especially running back. Day two is like the perfect mix. The the guys come, you get a little time to absorb it. All the you know that's when the running backs typically start to go. I have grown to hate the first day of the draft. It's too it, long. It it's starts, way too long. It's okay for you. You're a West Coaster. It starts too late here. I mean, the draft's not. It starts too late here. Like, yeah. In I mean, the afternoon. Imagine it here. I mean, you're literally like pushing through the evening. Fucking 1 a.m. On, on a Thursday night uh, at that. I mean, you're just not giving anyone a break in. There's so much time between picks. Yeah, sure, there's some shocks, but the, the names, they might be in different order, but there, there's not usually that many surprises day two brings you a decent amount with a ton of fantasy viability and then you're right day three is just a wild west right it's just gunslinging like players just fly it off the board you just try to keep up like oh did that guy i like go to the team i wanted him to go to and you like double check you're like shit stock up for antonio gibson who i think went what round three so it doesn't even qualify as day three but we can find those. What Aaron Jones? We'll go with Aaron Jones when he landed in Green Bay, and I said, "Fuck Jamal Williams." <laughs> Aaron Jones just landed in a gold mine. Yeah, that UTEP. Aren't they the miners? Isn't that what UTEP is? Yes, sir. Perfect gold mine. Look at that transition. But now, what we're doing today is ideal landing spots <laughs> for the top skill position players: the quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. So, what we decided to do is take their projected. Uh, Vegas draft slot uh, over under and within five picks higher or lower. So a a reasonable range. I don't even know if that's a standard deviation. Don't, don't, don't quote me on this, but where they could reasonably be picked at. If a guy is projected to go at 45, we can't say that someone's going to take him at 20 and call that an ideal landing spot. So figure we'll just go quarterback, running back, wide receiver, and finish off with tight end. A little bit of a ho-hum because we only have one guy there that we're going to speak about. But at the quarterback position, we have Mr. Malik Willis, who has the earliest projected draft capital at pick 10.5. Where do you think is the ideal landing spot for Mr. Willis? Yeah, so it's not my dream landing spot. Like we're 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 talking what is probably the best case scenario for fantasy. Um I went with 
him going at number nine to Seattle. I, I mean, they obviously have a need. He, it's one of the few spots where you could come in and you have pretty good weapons around. I mean, he's got Metcalf. He's got an older locket. Um, whatever's going on at running back, even if Carson doesn't come back, if Penny looks like he did a year ago. I mean, the only ding on Seattle right now is their, their offensive line, which has hey, been a problem for a while. Huh? Their head coach? Well, possibly. Passing by. But it's, yeah, it just seems like that's a team where – it would fit his skill set. They want to run a little more. There wouldn't be as much pressure on him right out of the gate to put up some monster numbers as a passer where that could be expected in other spots. So for Willis, I think for fantasy, Seattle would be the best spot. I don't disagree with you. Before we went live, we were just talking about Seattle and how people were galaxy bringing trades for them to go up to two to get Willis. And we both said that's not the wise thing to do. You believe clearly that, he could be there at nine. I, I think someone is going to make a move for him, whether it be <clears throat> Carolina at eight, whether it be the Falcons, or sorry, Carolina six, Falcons at eight, or Pittsburgh moving up if they are enamored with him. I think Pittsburgh sits and tries to get Ritter. But I think how, how nuts you want to get. I don't. I don't think it's even <laughs> slightly crazy that Pittsburgh can get Willis at twenty. Oh, yeah. I mean, that that would have to be like a Mac Jonesian type situation where, you know, the Patriots just sat and let him fall to him. Much better draft class. And you're waiting on quarterback five in that particular scenario rather than who is currently projected to go as quarterback one. I don't think anyone should be surprised. This is beauties in the eye of the beholder as far as these quarterbacks are concerned, because Malik Willis just looks like so appealing, but he's a ton of projection. Yeah, Pickett, I just think, is is been realized he is what he is. Corral's a wild card. I think Ritter's the most pro-ready quarterback in this class. And then Sam Howell's just fallen off the map. I mean, that that guy was a lock set it and forget it, QB1. Uh, you know, or round one quarterback, you know, this time last year. Uh, and he has fallen out of the first round completely. But we're talking about Willis, so let's I get off the point. For me, I went and I didn't go trades with, with any of these. I, I doubt no, you did no, either. No. Since you went sitting out, I'm not gonna act like I know what the fuck's going to happen with all these <laughs> NFL GMs like I'm Kevin Costner. But I went Falcons at eight, and it's because they, they have Mario there for one year. <laughs> they suck. He needs a year. He doesn't need to step onto a football field this year. He's coming from Liberty Flames, you know, what I say, playing against a bunch of bank tellers and grocery store clerks. Mm-hmm. He's not ready for NFL football. He will get murdered. If he goes anywhere and is, is asked to start this year, he requires a year of seasoning. So let Mariota take all that pain for a year with Atlanta. They have little offensive talent outside of Kyle Pitts on that team. And if they use the pick on a quarterback, they're, they're not bolstering their offense at all. Maybe early day two, but let him sit, let him get, a, you know, a, you know, accustomed to the, you know, the NFL life. And just think about what that division could look, look like a year from now. I'm going to assume, again, that Brady re-re-retires. And then, like, all bets are off in Tampa Bay, right? I don't have any clue what the New Orleans Saints are doing with the trade they made with the Eagles. If they're not trying to get a quarterback, then they are literally playing win-now football because they're not going to have a 23 first-round pick. So they're they're – putting their chips in the Jameis Winston off an ACL and MCL tear bucket to be a playoff contender with whatever these two pieces are. I don't buy that. And then it's the Carolina Panthers who are just a fucking dumpster fire. 
right now. Like they could be have a new co- head coach next year. So Falcons, you know, they might be in a, a competitive mix a year from now if they actually start bringing in some offensive talent. Give Willis a year to kind of acclimate to the NFL game. I think that is a perfect landing spot. And then think inside Georgia Dome, like perfect environment for a mobile quarterback. I want mobile quarterbacks indoors and in the South. So the weather is always nice. Like Josh Allen playing in Buffalo would scare me. I own him nowhere, but I'm just thinking that one day he's going to just like pull a hamstring running in the freezing fucking cold weather in upstate New York because they're going to have an outdoor stadium for the entirety of the existence of upstate New York football. That's not happening in the comforts of the Georgia Dome. So <laughs> I believe Willis in a, in a perfect environment. And I had the commanders as an honorable mention. It was the only other one where I'm like, I don't think Carson Wentz is their long-term answer. So they could draft his successor. And Ron Rivera had a ton of success with a mobile quarterback in Cam Newton. They do have some offensive talent there. Decent enough line and a good defense. I think it's another place where he could sit for a year and it would really benefit him. Can, you made me think of something. And what, what, Deal with the devil did Tom Brady sign where where the Jets were only good for like two years. The, the all the time he was in New England. The Dolphins have sucked. The uh the uh I think the Dolphins had one year where they won the division uh, during the Tom Brady era. But you're right. I mean the Bills it, have sucked. The Jets sucked. Then he goes to the AFC the NFC South, and those teams are terrible. Oh yeah, Tampa I mean, has Six and no, right off the gate, right out of the gates before they even have to play. Tom Brady got handed the Willy Wonka golden playoff ticket just when he right when he came back. He's like, Yeah, shit. Like, we don't even have to be that good. You know, like I, it makes me think like a Chris Godwin, they might just be like, No, you start on the pup. We can win with Russell Gage and Mike Evans over here and running the ball with Leonard Fournette. Like, take your time. We actually need you in the postseason. We don't we don't need your weeks one through six where we're beaten up on the south like yeah it's it's the perfect storm for for tom brady to just sleepwalk to another playoff appearance with, with the Dumont. tampa bay buccaneers and yeah <laughs> Dumont, and eventually somehow going to be a part of the miami dolphins i mean you know, if you're, you know may, he maybe comes back next year and that actually happens and we'll, we'll see what comes of that but yeah i went falcon just because i think it's the best spot for him to sit for a year because that team is shit and they don't want to be good so why would you want to start wells well, unless you want to True lose, you can, you can lose a Mariota and no offense skill position players. So off of him on to just pick 12.5, two picks behind Mr. Willis is the QB two in this class projected QB two, who even knows we were just talking about how you could literally, John did the turn his hand move one to five becomes five to one. And I thought that was just amazing. Like <laughs> the visual, it was stunning. My, my years in mind <laughs> school, but I got well. it. But I mean, the reality is wouldn't the three still be the three, right? Yes. Is a middle finger. <laughs> that, was, that was by design. <laughs> awful coral, just corral. Well, he's actually not three. I just have him in the wrong order because I thought his was higher. But Kenny Pickett, 12.5. Where do you have Kenny Pickett? You, you mentioned this team a little while ago, but uh, I have him going to the Washington Commanders at 11. Um, you know, there's there, there are some concerns. He didn't explode until his senior year. He's got them little mitts so they could see what he does there. And you had mentioned uh, Wentz just not being the long-time answer there, but they're, they, they're paying him enough money at least for a year to milk him a little bit. And if, if give Pickett a year to adjust to the NFL behind Wentz, if Wentz shits the bed, you know, we've seen it in two spots already, that he's the most 
experienced guy. I, I mean, Ritter obviously has done a little more with his career, but isn't isn't Pickett like a fifth year guy? Yeah. So he's arguably the most seasoned guy coming in out of this class. So he's probably the most pro ready from day one, arguably, but just seems like that would be the spot for him to land. That would be the best for him. They have, they have decent wide receivers. They have good running backs there. So a pretty good supporting cast too, for a guy who probably with the right pieces around him will be successful in the NFL. All right. Well, we're, we're going to, we're going to have to do some adjustments on the fly here because I also had the Washington Commanders for mm-hmm. Mr. Pickett, right? So I'm going to take a little liberty on this one since uh, you took my my comment and everything you said I agree with. And that's why I think it's a good <laughs> position for it, for Washington to be in to have a guy they think can make them competitive now and whence and then also try and you know get a guy for the future, hoping they're never picking you know, within the top 11 picks again. So I'm going to fudge and go one extra spot. So I'm going six to the Carolina Panthers. That would technically be out of the five to five range for Pickett, but not only does he have ties to Matt Rule, uh, he was committed to Temple while Matt Rule was there before he decommitted and went to Pittsburgh. So he's a he's a PA guy. So he already has ties to Rule. Rule is super fucking desperate to get a guy in that can play immediately for them because he could be gone after this year if they shit the bed again and. It's de- that's definitely not Willis for sure. It's definitely not Darnold. It, it appears in the NFL. It could be one of these other guys, but I think Pickett could start this year if he had to. And give me a pocket passer with the DJ Moore, Robbie Anderson, your boy Terrence Marshall, Christian McCaffrey type, you know, skill position players. And he's the guy that I think could distribute the ball well enough in his rookie year and build with those guys, whether it's Matt Rule or not. So I was with you on the commanders. I think that's a decent succession plan. Again, I don't think any of these guys should be starting this year. So that allows him a year to sit. But throw him into the fire with the Carolina Panthers, and let's see what comes of it. So those were the two clear top two in the draft. There is a precipitous fall after that. And QB3 by... Over under draft position is Desmond Ritter at 28 and a half. Where do you have Mr. Ritter? I, I, I have him 32 to Detroit with an asterisk. I think he goes 32 no matter who picks there. He just seems like he's a guy that's going to fall. You and I were talking before we started recording. I, I'm starting to think he may end up the best quarterback in this class. He's got some uh, consistency issues, but he, he's – a, a proven winner on the field at a, at a program that has not always been a, a typical football powerhouse, but I have him at Detroit. Like I said, I, I think I've fallen in love with the idea of somebody trading up to get that fifth year option with him. But, um, you know, golf is still there. He's got a lot of money. You get him a year to develop super athletic guy. Seems Seems like a guy Dan Campbell could talk into all his <laughs> nonsense, and it seems like a good fit. I mean, he's kind of got, <clears throat> excuse me, that underdog kind of mentality playing at Cincinnati, playing against these bigger teams. He seems like a guy that could actually succeed in Detroit, where where you go in there and you think about guys over the years that had a ton of success at, at big schools, then you go to what's arguably a shithole for NFL football for decades at this point. And it could be probably a little upsetting if you're, you know, winning national championships at, at Alabama and you're the biggest star in college football, where this guy's kind of a smaller school guy. 
seems like he could come in with a, a chip on his shoulder because he falls so late. And, and I could see him being successful in Detroit. So I'm, I'm going Ritter to Detroit. All right. I like it. I, too, have a quarterback going to Detroit, but it is not Desmond Ritter. And it's only because I have the perfect <clears throat> landing spot for Mr. Ritter. <clears throat> All right. You heard me. Two for two. I said this quarterback should not start year one. All right. And if I tell you none of them are ready to start year one, why would I think the QB three in this class is any closer <coughs> to starting this year? So I am going to go with another secession plan. And this Desmond Ritter pick 26 to the Tennessee Titans. Okay. Ryan Tannehill mm. looked terrible this last year, first year without Arthur Smith. The whole offense looked terrible, to be honest with you. Ryan Tannehill also. Only under contract through 2024 with the Tennessee Titans. His dead cap drops from 57 million this year down to 18.8 next year. So makes them highly tradable, actually, as well, if you want to. But if not, you have two years right there to season young, not young looking Desmond Ritter and get him ready for an offense that I think he fits, you know a variable type offense, right? Mobile enough quarterbacks going to play that RPO game and has a big enough arm to get the AJ Browns of the world involved. So I'm saying that the Tennessee Titans probably shocking a lot of people actually draft for the future. Like some of these other teams did when they're picking in the late twenties and they get themselves a potential starter in the future in Desmond Ritter. So to me, that's the best landing spot because again, he can learn for a year and then get turned loose, whether it be in 23 or 24. It's not that uncommon to see some of these guys wait more than one year. Happens in Green Bay all the time. You know, why can't it happen, it happen anywhere else? So I'm going Desmond Ritter to the Tennessee Titans at 26. Didn't see it coming, but I like it. <clears throat> so after Mr. Ritter, we get spicy. We were talking about Matt Corral. You know, Golden Corral. That's, that's who this boy is. 33 and a half. So he is the fringe of fringe first round picks. Actually projected to go very early second round of the draft. Where do you project Mr. Matt Carroll? Matt, Matt Corral. <clears throat> Carroll? I call Carol. him Coral. We have no respect for this guy. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, we do. If you look at listening outtakes, we love us, Matt Corral. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I went, this might be a little surprising. I went with the giants at 36, um, you know, new, new GM, new coaching staff in place. They are no ties to Daniel Jones. Who's doesn't look to be um, a, a franchise cornerstone quarterback. So Dable's probably coming in there looking for a guy he can uh, develop and, turn into a little something that he could build around again. Like we've said with everybody, it's a place where he could land and, and sit back for a year. And if Jones sucks, then they probably have a very capable backup or other way. If Jones does well, they have a capable backup behind them that they can develop. And if Jones sucks again, Dable's got a year to get his feet under him, get him ready for the NFL money wise. They, they have a lot invested in wide receiver, even though there's been no production there. He's got Barkley who he comes back and looks like a fraction of himself can help take a lot of pressure off of him if he does get in there early. So I like him going to the giants at 36. I think that's good for him and for fantasy. 
See, I, I, and I'm there with you because this is where I think this season they'll have to make their determination on the fifth year for Daniel Jones as well, right? So you could just, yep. just say, nope, <laughs> Mr. Jones, you go test free agency. You know, we're going to, we're going to reset the, the clock with a corral, golden corral. So I actually went and, and I like it because I don't think that they have any ties to Daniel Jones, new head coach, new GM in New York. I have to think part of that conversation was do your best to save Daniel Jones. But if you can't, you're allowed to move on. I have to think that's probably part of the conversation for uh, the, the hiring of Schoen and Dable. So I actually went with, and it could be a hybrid, you know, choose your adventure. Detroit Lions at 32 or 34. Did the Lions want to get that fifth year option with the Macarral or do they just want to use their early second round on them, have them for four years. Goff is good enough for this year, so you're getting a year of seasoning again for a guy that probably even by the end of the season you could log a couple starts, you know, if, if you think he's progressing accordingly and see what you have in him. I just see Corral ending up. He looks like a fucking kneecap biter, if ever there was one in this class. So give me Matt Golden Corral to those Detroit Lions. So we both have the Lions actually targeting quarterback in this draft which with three picks in the top 34 they damn well better walk away with a quarterback because they can do some serious damage they get an edge at two and then they can get what you know wide receiver and quarterback at 32 and 34 impact players still helping both sides of the ball big time or even get another offensive lineman if you want you know, it would one of these linebackers safety there's a lot of spots yeah I mean you could you could make a decent push towards respectability with these type of picks. I wouldn't get off a of two if I'm there, if I'm them because they have 32 and 34. Yeah. But if you get a godfather offer for someone to come up to two, so be it. But to me, we talked right before we went live. Now Trayvon Walker is the betting favorite to go first overall to the Jacksonville Jaguars. You can just put agent Hutchinson's name on the board, a fucking Michigan kid going to the lions. Who's going to give you, production effort and energy uh, from day one and sell you tickets as well as a, as a Wolverine alum, you just take Hutchinson and then you move on in that draft. And then you just start saying, what are we doing with 32 and 34? You know, follow the board. Do we have to move up to get a guy? If you're really enamored with a quarterback, they have the ammunition even to move up and get a quarterback in like the twenties if they want to, they yeah. probably wouldn't even have to move both of those picks. I mean, they could probably give up the 66 or something similar to, to make that jump if they wanted to. But I think they're in the catbird seat um, to get a quarterback, obviously, with that late first or early second, however they see fit. Off of the big four, and like we said, Corral is that fringy. He's, he's projected to go at the beginning of round two. Now we have a Sam Howell, who's now carries a 45 and a half over under for his projected draft capital. So a mid, not mid, a, you know, l- upper mid, I guess one third in to the second round, roughly for, uh, for Mr. Sam Howell. Where do you have him landing? So I had two that I had written down. I keep playing I, with I going nailed back. This one, by the way, absolutely <laughs> fucking nail it. So uh, mine all kind of tied back together. So you'll see some spots because some of these teams obviously are picking in a couple of these ranges more than once. So I I tried not to double dip at a number. Um, So you gave uh, the Falcons, Mr. Malik Willis earlier. I think they go elsewhere early in the draft. And I think at 43, 
if Howell is still on the board, Atlanta can grab Howell. And everything you said about Willis sitting in Atlanta for a year, I think uh, they can plug Howell in in 2023 after they give Mariota the reins for a year. And basically, everything you said, why Atlanta works, I think that's a good spot for him. They get him – we'll get to that later, but I think they get him a weapon with that earlier pick and then bring him in at 43. Okay. Not, don't disagree. And that's saying he's going to be available right around there. I went just earlier than that. And I think there's two teams that are just screaming Sam Howell in, in that range. And I went with a team that you already had taking a quarterback. So we flip-flopped here. You taking a quarterback in early round one at the ninth pick. And I have the Seattle Seahawks using either 40 or 41 on Sam Howell. I I don't know. I, I can blink and see Sam Howell in, in a Seahawks jersey. And taking Drew Locke's job in, you know, six weeks next year. And I like Sam Howell. I, I think he's going to be a productive pro to be totally candid with. So to me, that also benefits the DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, Noah Fant, um, owners of the world. So Seattle with that ammo and that 40 and 41, I do believe they come away with a quarterback in this draft. I again said, I don't think they should be using nine on it, but if you tell me they can, they can target a, you know, an impact defensive player at nine or offensive line, which needs a ton of work, and then go get a Sam Howell type at 40 or 41. G- give me that all day. Honorable mention the Indianapolis Colts picking at 42. If Seattle that was passes on to have him behind Matt Ryan for a year or two, that's I, I can see the Colts trying to do this because they don't have a first round pick in this draft. They are they keep piecemeal and quarterback together. And to have a more viable solution like a Sam Howell at there at 42, I think it'd be difficult for Chris Ballard to pass on trying to solidify that position that has literally avoided him since Andrew Luck surprisingly retired on them several years ago at this point. I had the Colts too. That was the one I was going back and forth with Atlanta. And I think that's the best NFL landing spot for him. Mm -hmm. Since this is a fantasy focused pod with Atlanta. But yeah, I, I liked that. You know, if I could stash him on a taxi squad for three years, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I, re- I really like it. But yeah, one hell of a window. I mean, 40, 41, and 42, 43 are Seattle, Colts, Falcons. I mean, they all. Somebody, somebody's going if, there. If the Seahawks or Falcons don't target quarterback in round one, that's a hot spot for uh, yeah. Sam Howell to go. Unless right Seattle's tanking. Yes. And, and then still, it's probably not the worst thing to do. I mean, you got you got that extra pick early second, you know, in the trade, yeah. you get rid of Russell Wilson. Why not take a shot at a quarterback there? You know, that's, that's no big shit. If he ends up being a backup, that's not bad for you. You know, if you don't want him to win games this year and you want to start Drew Locko, you so be it. You know, maybe you even just let him roll out year two and then you have a tank going on. And if you target quarterback, so be it. You, you, you can tank with Sam Howell on your roster. I don't think that's out of the realm of reality. So yeah, I think a great spot for him, and I do think he ultimately goes in that little triumvirate. The irony is the Houston Texans have three picks by then. I believe it's three picks. Didn't they have a second pick in this draft? I thought they did. Yes, they got 13 from the Browns. And we didn't even bat an eye with them taking a quarterback. They pick number three, number 13, and number 37. And I I, I thought David Mills was a shrewd pick by them, and I also think they are still tanking as well. Yeah, so I, why would they use the capital right now? I think they're one of these teams that is trying to get out of that first, whether it's trading down from three or trading out or down from 13. 
to try and get future capital. If not, they're just going to be targeting a, a bunch of, you know, skill, you know, maybe not even skill, maybe they're just like fortifying the O-line, targeting defensive players in, in this year's draft. And they'll, then, then maybe they go full bore after a quarterback next year. But it's interesting. The team that, you know, lost to Sean Watson and has David Mills, who wasn't highly regarded in last year's class, wasn't even, wasn't even brought up by either of us for the top five quarterbacks in this draft class. Well, and they suck so bad. It's not like they're a quarterback <clears throat> and away they from being competitive. And it's not – he doesn't have – there's not enough weapons in place for somebody to go there and becoming a dream landing spot for fantasy. <laughs> True, but I I place a little bit of value in being the guy too. You know what I mean? Like I, sure. I do think there's – like Atlanta sucks, but I think that's a good spot <laughs> for, for Willis long term. They can't be that bad forever, and they at least have a Kyle Pitts there, and you have to hope they'll they'll fix receiver sooner or later. But that wouldn't be – that would be terrible for him year one. He, he would be – you know, Matt Ryan was getting assaulted last year you know, every, <laughs> every snap. You know, Willis is mobile, but that would be – that'd be David Carr syndrome all over again of a quarterback just getting sacked to death. In his rookie season, but let's spend a lot of time on the quarterback <clears throat> position and there's a ton. You know, there's, there's five guys There's a big five. There's so much debate on where they're going to go, even where their, you know, their, their odds are being projected. There's, there's variability there. There's going to be some movement and be some, pr- some surprises that we're not even talking about. Like neither of us said Pittsburgh for any of these guys and Pittsburgh has been rumored to want just about every one of them in various capacities. So it'll be real interesting to see what happens come Thursday. But moving off there on the running back, we're only going to talk about the big two here because it took us into the hundreds to try and find the, the draft position for some of these other guys that we like. And that's just that's just a bridge too far, in my opinion. So the tippy top of the running back room <laughs> is Brees Hall, who has a 39.5 over under. Where is Brees Hall's ideal landing spot. You unintentionally had a fantastic segue here. I got him 37 to Houston. Um, running back room completely devoid of talent. I mean, Rex Burkhead, Royce Freeman, they signed uh, somebody else. Who's Royce just, Freeman. No, oh, they brought in Marlon Mack. They have Royce yes. Freeman again. Brought in Marlon Mack. Who, I, I do like Marlon Mack there, but this to me are the teams in that – you know, five each way range, 32 to 42. It has the biggest glaring hole at running back with, with just no talent there. Lovey Smith is the coach now. I know he's a defensive coach, but previously while with the Bears, that was the, the Matt Forte years. So he's got a history of having a th- using a three down back that was a stud for fantasy and Hall, I believe, can be that. So I think Houston is the best spot for him, even though that team is a hot pile of garbage. I'm there with you. I mean, the names uh, that we noted in the running back room, those guys had like meaningful snaps last year, save yeah. from Marvin Mack in this offense. And they do throw it to the running back. And Lovey Smith is more ball control based. So they'll want to run it more check downs. There's not, you know, outside of Brandon Cooks, there's really no one else in that offense that's going to command any attention. Um, as far as target competition is concerned, maybe a Nico Collins second year jump, maybe Brevin Jordan ends up being something, but I'm not going to hold my breath there. If they go and target offensive line at pick four, at pick three, get one of these top tackles in the draft, they can go and swing for whatever defensive player they want at 13. But then, yeah, give Davis Mills a reliable running back to grow with at 37. I'm right there with you. They were my honorable mention. I went <clears throat> with the Jets 
at 35 or 38. Again, when I'm seeing these teams that just have multiple chances to take a guy and a need because I'm still in team Michael Carter as a change of pace back and should not be even the leader of a committee, um, in my opinion. You bring Brees Hall in there. I do like what the Jets are doing. Um, I believe in Salah. They have a solid offensive line. They're going to want to run the football, and Brees Hall would bring such an added dimension to that offense and help out the young second-year quarterback, Zach Wilson, a ton. So the dysfunction with the Texans and the fact that they're still active rebuild, trying to bottom out, gave me a little bit of pause with Brees Hall. I think the Jets are trying to compete in a division that's very competitive at this point. I mean, you're talking about the Buffalo Bills being the cream of the crop, the Miami Dolphins going all in. The Patriots are just perennially competitive, even in like down years, they're going eight and eight. You know, so there's going to be some point, you know, some, uh, some value to be had with that Jets offense. And I could really see them targeting Brees Hall in the early second. Interesting. Either one. Shitty backfields. The, the, when, you're, when your largest source of competition between those two is Michael Carter, it's, it's a win-win where, wherever he would end up. He would just be a 20-touch-per-game guy, and, and that's what we're looking for uh, out of Brees Hall. So I like, I like both spots. After that, Kenneth Walker, great name. The third, <laughs> 57.5. John, you had to go and find this. So uh, this was the first one that's, that had fallen all the way down the board. So we're talking about a late second round pick here, which is where running backs go. <laughs> Not even late second, more like third, day, two, day yeah. three is what we're talking about. But this is, this is a reasonable range for a running back. It's no slight on Kenneth Walker. Where do you have his ideal landing spot in the bottom of that second uh, round? Uh, a team we have mentioned a couple of times already, Ooh. but uh, picking at 58, mm. the Atlanta Falcons. Oh, offense. Uh, just an obvious need for them, too. Similar to Houston, they don't have a running back. I mean, Mike Davis was a disappointment last year. Cordero Patterson is a journeyman, jack-of-all-trades, converted wide receiver who they still like to use in the receiving game. They need an actual running back. I, I don't think... What's Patterson going to be, 32 now? Their entire backfield is going to be in their 30s. Mike Davis, <laughs> Damian Williams. I mean, they, they try, they're trying to surpass the Texans for oldest backfield. Yes, yeah, so I, I think it's just a good spot for him. I mean, as far as teams that need someone and can give a ton of work to somebody. And, and I think Walker's a better pass catcher than uh, has been rumored. So I, I like that spot for him for fantasy. Well, it's a lot of thinking because you sure as shit haven't seen it from, from Kenneth Walker and other than hearing that his coach said that he could catch footballs. But I also never saw it with A.J. Dillon, and I thought that was extremely limiting, and he didn't look terrible at catching balls in Green Bay. Now, Green Bay is very prolific at throwing to the running back, so I think that helps a lot with scheme. But it's proven just because you never did it doesn't mean you can't do it. I mean, we have like Leonard Fournette as another example. There's I mean, even Melvin Gordon was a reasonable pass catcher, you know, during his fantasy heyday, and he didn't do shit, you know, with Wisconsin because they don't throw the ball to the running back either. So, um, can be there. I still have concerns that he may just be a two down back. So, where do two down backs go? <laughs> they go to New England <laughs> to be the oh, running back. No. That, that, yeah, that is the good one. I do, because this is likely the end of Damian Harris. They always draft for the future. I have to think, when was Damian Harris drafted? 19, 20, 21, 22. Yep, this will be the end of him. They're not giving him a second contract. 
And Ramondre Stevenson, I, I think he's better as a change of pace guy than ever being a bell cow um, for them. I don't even think he got significant draft capital, if I recall correctly. When did he get drafted? Ramondre was round four. Four? No yeah, shit. Yeah, 120. Earlier, I, yeah, earlier than, than we all thought. But they want to be run base, and I could see them prioritizing mm-hmm someone like Kenneth Walker and it might not be this year, but he could be a guy a year from now is that 15 touchdown upside running back in a new England Patriots offense. So everyone around there, I, with the Falcons, I just can't see them going running back. They have so many needs that that is such a luxury position. I know it's their third pick in that top 58, but I just see them going, you know, they need to go defense big time. So assuming that's not an option for them. There's no one else really around there that screens. I mean, a lot of people are saying the Bucks could go running back. I mean, 60 to the Bucks wouldn't be the end of the world, and you kind of have a secession plan to Fournette. But what are you trying to set up the quarterback after Brady to have a running game? I don't buy that. The Chiefs even, I mean, Edward Slayer's proved he's not it. But then they went and signed Ronald Jones to be the, the early down thumper. I mean, if he went 62 to the Chiefs, we'd be talking. But them signing Ronald Jones leads me to believe that they're not even looking in that direction. No. So everyone around there, the Buffalo Bills at 57 could work. I mean, people are saying the Bills could go Brees Hall in the first. I don't believe they do. So Brees Hall going to second, do they target running back as almost a complete team at 57 and get a, a you know speed back like Kenneth Walker to compliment Devin Singletary? I could see that 100%. But I just believe in his archetype would work so well in New England if you're patient. So maybe not immediate, but listen, get in line with all the quarterbacks, wait a year, and then you you could explode, which you never want to hear with the running back position. But (laughs) that made the most sense to me uh, as far as player scheme and fit. So that was it for the running back position, because as previously stated, everyone else is, uh, you know, round three, round three, day three pick. And, you know. Your guess is as good as ours, but you know we're huge Rashad White fans here. I still am in on C- on Isaiah Spiller. I just think he has a good skill set. Samir White's going to end up getting significant capital, but those guys we're just going to have to wait and see. So let's get to the you know what we're going to do we're going to do tight end and we're going to finish it running back because I don't want to oh. finish with the whimper that is tight ends. All right, so the only guy that has top two round. Uh, projection is Trey McBride and he has picked 50.5. Where do you see Trey McBride going? Ideal landing spot. Sticking with the theme. Sit okay. for a year. Emerge as a player a year from now. Staying right at number 52. The Kansas City Chiefs has the heir apparent to Travis Kelsey. Yeah, well, I mean, Kelsey's Old as shit at this point. It's been remarkably healthy. It, it, you assume at some point that's going to give. But if not, I mean, everyone, father time is undefeated. Kelsey will be out of there at some point. And then you got a tight end in an offense where they've used tight end heavily tied to Patrick Mahomes for the rest of your career. Uh, I don't think it's even a question that's the best spot for any tight end. All right, unless I have a defunct draft order. The Kansas City Chiefs are actually picking at 50. The Steelers are at 52, so you had me scared for a no, second. No, I said there. 50. No, you said picking at 52. No, as in 50 also. Oh. Because okay. his ADP oh, is okay. 50. Well, it came out as 52 to me. So, okay, we're on the same page. <laughs> Pick 50. The Chiefs got from the Miami Dolphins. I like it. 
you know, it takes tight end a little while anyway. So whether it's a year, two years, I mean, you know, we're assuming so much from every player anymore that have immediate impact. Yeah, Kelsey will be gone. So why not? I love it. I didn't pick it, but I love it. I might actually just say, yeah, he should go to Kansas City <laughs> and move on. But we'll just say where I had. And I went with uh, pick 46 to the Minnesota Vikings. And I like Irv Smith as much as the next guy, but Irv Smith isn't like a classic tight end. He's more like a big slot. He's only like 6'2", 230. You know, Trey McBride's a bigger guy, even though he's more of the move tight end as well. But I just think they're going to open up that offense in Minnesota. So give more playmakers to Kirk Cousins or whomever they deem to be the future of the franchise. They're not a deep pass catching core, whether it be wide receiver or tight end position. So that's a place where I think he could step on the field almost immediately and provide value in the Minnesota Vikings. And then I did have an honorable mention, and it was to the Dallas Cowboys who are picking at 56. And they might have found Dalton, you know, they might have found their future in Dalton Schultz, but they also just franchise tagged him. And I'm sure he's now going to say, well, that's that's the baseline for my salary if you're going to extend me. I want 10 plus mil a year. And I'm sure they're going, no, <laughs> we're, not, we're not giving you that. We needed you for this year, but you got to work with us. So that's either going to go, stay static or go up. I mean, he's going to 10 to 12 mil, whatever he wants. And I think Dalton Schultz is worth $12 million a year. I do not. So I could see Dallas trying to find his replacement and using that 56 overall pick for another offensive player in Trey McBride. I'm going to splash a little cold water on any of your tight end dreams for the Vikings. Um, their head coach, whose name I'm forgetting, Kevin came, came from uh, the Rams. Correct. And as far as I know, all of the Rams uh, coordinators that got jobs elsewhere run heavy 11 personnel. Sure. So if they like their man, Irv Smith, there is no room for other uh, tight ends to get meaningful snaps because they're going to have three receivers on the field most of the time. I totally agree with you. I'm hoping to, you know, <laughs> th- this guy isn't a sheep like the rest of them you know, and wants to cut his own path. And realizes that a player like Trey McBride's going to enhance this offense. Yeah, because if not, you're going to see a lot more KJ Osborne, who I also do like if we're talking about three wide sets. Now, and Nurse Smith has has tickled us with his upside. You know, but it also lost most of the well, he lost the entire last year to injury after he looked like he was going to break out. So, I a cold water may have hit a little bit, but you're talking about an ideal aim spot, and I don't think Irv Smith is insurmountable, and. Like I said, I'm gonna wanna bet against, you know, the coaching history based upon individual player individual, you know, offensive coordinators. But you just made me sad. So <laughs> good thing we didn't finish on that note because that's not how I wanted things end. So I'm just gonna rip through wide receiver a little bit here. All right. And not to not to discount the position, but we do have six that we have listed here and we're already running close to an you know, maybe not an hour on the outtakes, but you know, trying to keep this thing reasonable. So wide receiver position, first projected off the board is Garrett Wilson at ten point five. Where is the perfect landing spot for Mr. Wilson? Again, back to the well for me, going to Atlanta at number eight. So for me, my kind of dream situation here, Atlanta gets uh, Wilson at eight. They take uh, Kenneth Walker at 58, and then they stash Howell on the bench for a year at 43. And that's not a bad-looking offense uh, a year from now. So they – Ridley's gone for at least a year. Who knows what he's going to be when Never he comes for the Falcons again? 
also a possibility. So they're in desperate need for a wide receiver. They got to take some of this pressure off Pitts because he's, I mean, with just that guy out there, you're going to triple team him. Who gives a shit if these other bums are running around the field? So I think Wilson would help whatever quarterback is there. Andy helps Pitts and, and Pitts would also in, in turn help Wilson. So I like that spot, especially if uh, Mariota or if they draft one of these guys, uh, is even remotely capable as an NFL passer. I'm with you. Again, if the Falcons go three offensive skill position players with their first three picks, then they're they're truly playing fantasy football, not real football. But I like where your head's at because you talk about revamping the, uh, the, the skill positions in an offense to, to jumpstart a year from now. I went New York. Pick your poison. Giants at seven. They're trying. They're fielding calls for Kadarius Tony. He didn't show up to voluntary, you know, OTAs. He was the old regime's outgoing pick when Gettleman traded back, and then still thought he had to go wide receiver instead of best player available. You know, Kenny Galladay isn't the long term answer there. Neither Sterling Shepard. So they're going to need help. So why not give Dable and Daniel Jones or whomever his future quarterback is a polished wide receiver at Garrett Wilson at seven, or if the Jets take him at 10, you know, hearing a lot of Jets, Drake London, if they want the big body guy, but if, if not, I mean, get a kind of a more diverse wide receiver in Garrett Wilson and team him with Elijah Moore to be a dynamic wide receiver duo for, uh, for Zach Wilson and company. So either one of those teams, I think are either one of those landing spots, get them in a big apple. I think are, pretty bona fide ideal landing spots for Garrett Wilson. New From, Jersey. <laughs> yeah, technically. Uh, Gross. The armpit. Um, <laughs> so off of Wilson to Williams. So it's a tie, but we're going to go Jamison Williams second, 12.5 projected capital. Where is Mr. Jamison, who won the tour's ACL? I think both you and I would have him as a wide receiver one in this class. Williams going. Yeah, I mean, upside is through the roof with him. Uh, you you had just mentioned the New York Jets. That's where I have him going. I, I know that they've been tied to Drake London lately, but like you said, if it wasn't for the injury, this guy's probably the top receiver in this class. The Jets have tried this offseason to trade for players that just didn't want to be <laughs> with the Jets, so they just struck out with a couple chances they had. It's obviously a position they're going to be looking at in the draft. They've gave given everyone all the indication in the world this offseason is a position of need. So why not take arguably the top guy in the class? No argument. You're talking about ideal landing spot. This was the idealist of idealist landing spots, not just opportunity, but just, just dripping upside opportunity. And that's Jamison Williams falling all the way to the end of this exercise to the Los Angeles Chargers at 17. Oh, oh my God. He would be unbelievable. Even if he starts on pup, they have the receivers to get the job done in yeah. Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, but just put him with Justin A. Bear, just rifling bullets downfield for Jamison Williams for the next eight to 10 years in that place i still deem to be a hideous stadium so far he would be the wide receiver one in this class for me he would jump if he ended up with the Chargers at 17 
Yeah, I mean, I mean Keenan Allen isn't getting any younger no. at this point either. Mike Williams on a three-year deal. They got, they're going to talk about a team that goes three wide. I mean, he would jump yeah. right into the Jalen Guyton role once he's ready to go. I mean, he passed my boy Josh Palmer, unfortunately, but you know, only the strong survive. And, the and this division's been in an arms race all offseason. And, yeah. yeah, they add another firework to that thing. Yeah, I, I didn't yeah, think of that one, but I like it. Yeah, I mean, their offseason means they went and got Cleo Mack and they went and got J.C. Jackson. So they've been working on their defense. But all they did was re-sign guys for their offense. They, they didn't make any free agent splashes. On, well, I guess they went and got Gerald Everett, if you consider that a free agent splash to a, a one-year deal. But we both like, but still, just give me Jamison Williams on the bolts at, at pick 17, I think. By far the ideal landing spot of any of these guys that, that I did here today. After him, dueling 12.5, Drake London. So these guys are fighting to be the wide receiver two drafted in this class. Where do you have the wide receiver that you hate most in this entire draft class going as an ideal landing spot? True story. Um, I want to nail it again. Houston at 13. Uh, they just have Brandon Cooks. We talked about what a shitty offense they had. We were talking about running back. Um, and, you know, Cooks is a smaller guy, a speedy guy. So London being a bigger contested ball receiver gives them a different look and another option on offense. So I just kind of liked and I didn't even think of this until we did this. I actually wrote down another team and crossed it out when I was going through the other teams picking in that um, seven to 17 range. And it seems to make a lot of sense. Okay. I, when we first started doing this, I went Jets at 10, right? Because that's, I think, everyone is connecting yes. him to the Jets. And I was like, ah, I don't know about that. So I went one pick later, 11, to the Washington Commanders. They literally have your boy, Terry McLaurin, and nothing else. He's saving me the Curtis Samuel. He is a gadget guy. He is not a bona fide wide receiver. And that's no slight to Curtis Samuel. He could be hyper-productive if he was healthy and used correctly in an offense. But he shouldn't be starting and you know, living outside on the boundary. And you're telling me Carson Wentz was throwing YOLO balls to Michael Pittman all last year when there was little else in that Colts offense to rely on. You put Drake London and all, what, six foot four, two 220 pounds of him out on the perimeter opposite uh, Terry McLaurin. He starts in a much better situation than his USC Trojan brethren catching footballs from Carson Wentz. I think this is a move that would be a – you know, we, we're going to give Carson Wentz all the tools possible to prove that he's not just a one-year fix for us in Washington. Yeah, I, I see it. I'm very curious to see what Washington does. <laughs> I, I, it's going to be a case study because they thought they had the defense fixed, and then their defense was a sieve last year, right? Awful. And then they thought they had a Band-Aid in Ryan Fitzpatrick, and he goes and, like, old man tears his hip, you know, uh, yeah, at the beginning, so they had to rely on Taylor Heineke, who was a great story, but not a starting NFL quarterback. Who also sneakily enough, I believe, is like twenty nine years old, which I was. T- I thought the dude was like twenty three. I'm like, what's he like? Two years in, just kind of wild around as a QB three. No, I think he's. I'm pretty he's sure he's twenty nine years old already. Lingering so, in the shadows. Oh, that makes makes me even more confident that he was never their long term plan. But yeah, I just think there's an opportunity there. But yeah, they're they're just going to be. They're either going to compete to win the division or they're going to be fighting with the Giants for the basement. There, there's no middle ground for them. They're not a – can't even say 8-8 eight eight anymore because that's not a – it's not a 
It's not yeah. a season total. They're not a nine and seven or you know seven and nine. No, and nine and seven's wrong too. Nine and eight or eight and oh, nine. Christ. Yeah, yeah. Just add one. What am I trying to do over here? Math <laughs> is hard, kids. Yeah, yeah. You can't be five hundred. Yeah, say unless you want to tie a game, which I don't put it beyond anyone. Eight, eight, and one. If that's what the commanders want to be, they don't have it in the range of outcomes. They are going to be an all or nothing squad. So. Off of London onto Chris Olave, who has a 17 and a half projected draft slot. Where do you have the other Buckeye wide receiver landing? Due to our rules here, he could go five spots later, right at the cusp, number 22 to the Green Bay Packers. We we've talked about it all offseason, laughing about whatever weapons end up in Green Bay watching uh them wrong, run the wrong route, and Aaron Rodgers throws his hands up in disgust. Uh, so you get him, arguably the best route runner in the class. Super speedy, great route runner. We've seen these guys come out of Ohio State and be productive in the NFL from day one. I think Olave is the one guy who could earn the infamous Aaron Rodgers trust right out of the gate through camp. So I, I love that spot for him. They have no other weapons in place at this time. So he's he is, as of this second in this recording, would be their wide receiver one. Yeah, I had the Packers too at 22. But So I'm, I'm just going to do a quick pivot because there was another team that I had looked at, but he just makes a ton of sense if, I guess, he falls. 17 and a half I thought was a, a bit rich. For Chris Olave, uh, to be honest, is the wide receiver four in this class. So I think he's more – I think that's right around – he should be in the early 20s uh, as far as where I would envision him going. I think people are going to prioritize some defensive players before they would go after the wide receiver four in this class. But not the Packers. And if the Saints aren't really trying to make a move to go up in the quarterback and think they can win now, they have 16 and 19 – I could see them trying to pair an end game Michael Thomas with another Buckeye. So we're just Buckeye, Buckeye, Buckeye all around because there is little else in that Saints receiving core either. I mean, if you want to believe in Traquan Smith's fourth year, fifth year breakout, wherever he's at right now, someone named Lil Jordan Humphrey or oh you know, preseason darling Marquez Callaway, be my guest. But you get Alave down in the big easy in the super I don't even think it's called a Superdome anymore, isn't it? The Mercedes Benz Dome. Yeah. One of those picks with Jameis Winston. Hopefully, Michael Thomas comes back. He jumps right on the field. You know, you know, seeing probably eight plus targets a game with one of those two picks, and he does bolster their offense a ton. He gives them a viable pass catching weapon opposite Michael Thomas. So I could see Saints at sixteen or nineteen, but ultimately, I think the best spot for him is the Packers in, in twenty two. All right, down to our last two. My guy, Traylon Burks. You know. Just a fallen angel, in my humble opinion. <laughs> 23.5. He is now the projected fifth wide receiver being drafted in this class. Where could you see Mr. Burks going that would make everyone regret him falling that far? We are double dipping. Olave fell to the Packers at 22. Burks falls to Green Bay at 28 <laughs> also. So they get two weapons for Aaron Rodgers. You get the smooth, speedy route running of Chris Olave and then the monster freak size for Burks uh, on the outside there, giving Aaron Rodgers dueling weapons that he has never had in his time in Green Bay so he can disappoint in the playoffs again as he rides out the door in a year or two uh, with more disappointment. But 
I do mm. like it for fantasy for the next couple of years. So are you saying they go double wide receiver? I am saying they double tap wide receiver this year. Uh, okay. I do not see Traylon Burks as the Aaron Rodgers type end game wide receiver. I also don't know about scheming for, for a Traylon Burks with Matt LaFour, although he's been successful. But I am going to go with right on the fucking nose at 23, Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals lost Christian Kirk. DeAndre Hopkins is Nine. rapidly falling now and finally experienced his first major injury that, that I can recall in his career. He's always been a jump ball contested guy. Just imagine going four wide and being able to put Rondell Moore and Traylon Burks on the inside and just trying to create yards after the catch for whomever the quarterback may be for the Arizona Cardinals, whether it be uh, Kyler Murray or if they swing an epic trade and bring someone else in. They prioritize offense in Arizona, and and I think not only could Traylon Burks be successful there, especially if Kyler Murray stays, but uh, would would immediately return value in that offense because there is little for him to overcome. I mean, they re-signed AJ Green for for Pete's sake, so they they are desperate. They they kept Antoine Wesley like they're they're grasping <laughs> straws here. Now Rondell Moore is not a a wide receiver one. By any means. So plan for the future. Go get you some Traylon Burks at 23. I think that is beautiful. But also give honorable mention to my Eagles. If they want to tab them a little bit earlier, it might not be great this year. But who knows what the future may hold for the Philadelphia Eagles. And a revamped wide receiver core of Devonta Smith and Traylon Burks, who have wildly different skill sets with Dallas Goddard at tight end, would be extremely appealing for any I don't say competent starting NFL quarterback uh, that the Eagles could land perhaps as early as the 2023 draft where they have two draft picks now since trading with those Saints. So talk about getting a team ready. Get yourself a Traylon Burks with 18 and then just like just wait. Yeah, just, just be fun this year. But just just wait for the future. It'll be it'll be amazing. <laughs> Off him to the last player we're going to talk about. We both love this wide receiver. He exploded at the combine, fresh off an ACL tear. It cost him the entire season. He came back for the, the college football playoffs. That's big fucking George Pickens. 36.5, early second round. He just screams like a T. Higgins type guy, right? That fell out of the first round that the Cincinnati Bengals stole at the top of the second round two years ago. And George Pickens is going to be the next in line. Where do you have Big George, George of the Jungle, going to wrap up this ideal land? There is a team with a glaring need for playmakers in the passing game, and it is the old Chicago Bears at 39. (laughs) Yeah, I don't – I'm still not sold on fields. I don't know what this offense is going to look like with new staff in there. However, they – I mean, they've done nothing to help fields succeed, they got to do something. So, you know, a a guy we're both super high on and another one similar to Williams who, you know, without the injury, he he could be in the conversation for the top guy in this class. And we have him what sixth. So I think the bears is the best spot for him. Uh, It frees up Mooney on the other side that they have to kind of respect them. Now makes commit a lot more attractive. It changes this entire which as of right now is a complete dog shit garbage offense 
adding Pickens really turns this whole thing around and gives me uh, some hope that they can develop fields because if they don't address it with one of the top receivers in this class, I think this is a entirely wasted lost year for the Bears and Fields. Yeah, and the Bears without a first-round pick have to trade enough for Fields, but they do have 39 and 48. They have tons of needs as well. I mean, they sold off large pieces of their defense. Their offensive line is not any good to help develop your quarterback, so I could easily see them trying to target offensive line at 39, but I'm with you. Talking about ideal fantasy land spots, pairing him with Darnell Mooney, I think they would complement each other very well and give fields at least some viable pass catchers in what will be a lost season regardless so i had the bears at first but just to not just double down ever on the same guys i also think he could be a discount drake london to the jets at 35 if you don't want to take drake london at pick four or ten and then you go and get yourself a george pickens at pick 35 or 38 and you know what target defense and another offensive lineman at, at four and 10, and you can still end up with a Pickens instead of a Drake London. I think you're cooking with gas then because now we're talking Pickens and Elijah Moore with an upgraded offensive line and a defensive piece as well. I'm still not sold on Zach Wilson, but I like the way that that offense will be going. If they do add a, you know, notable wide receiver in with any of their first two picks. I think there's going to be opportunity there because Corey Davis isn't long for that team. Denzel Mims is already cooked off of that roster. So it's going to be an Elijah Moore and enter wide receiver here future for the jets um, with Zach Wilson, because even with the tight end additions in Uzama and Conklin, those guys aren't world beaters. They're role players. So, Receiver could walk into, and I think Elijah Moore is going to fucking explode this year. Personally, I listened back last year. This isn't a new take. I was eye on that kid last year. And I think Pickens in that offense could be bonkers. So rethink your, your draft strategy jets. If you're considering Drake London with one of those early first round picks and go get you a George Pickens at 35. So I got a, a quick question that came to me while we were doing this a little Fun one uh, before we get out of here as you wrap this up. <laughs> Who do you think among this group of guys, and, and it's hard to say because these are all the top guys in the positions, but um, who do you think wins the Raiders award for the most overdrafted player? As we see, <laughs> we've seen the Raiders do it, Hayward Bay and Ruggs and Alex Leatherwood. Who among this group do you think is going to end up going? far earlier than they should. And I know these are the top guys, so they're all going to go relatively early, but you get the early, Meaning earlier even than where they're projected to go? Yeah. That's a tough one. Because, I mean, I think I think London's going too early, personally, where he's at, but he's projected at 12.05. Like, I don't think he's a top third of the first-round pick. Um, or it doesn't have to be these guys. Is there anybody you think goes way earlier? than they should. I mean, I could see someone taking a, you're talking about speed, Calvin Austin, who I do like, but I don't ever think he's going to be a full-time wide receiver. I think he's going to be like a great gadget guy, special teams player, but I could see him end up being a day two pick, but he's never going to be a consistent option in an offense. He's just far too small and slight. And those are still with even the way the NFL is now, those receivers just hardly ever work. The, the small, skinny wide receiver. I mean, for every Hollywood Brown, there's a hundred not Hollywood Browns you know, that just phase out or end up being pure punt and kick returners in the NFL. So I can see Calvin Austin, albeit I do like the player, another Memphis Tiger product. You know how we feel about Memphis Tiger athletes. But 
He's just too whittle. Yeah, I was going to say Drake London, but that's because I hate him. You do hate Drake London. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> it, like, like, like I just said, go get to George Pickens in a second and don't look back. Go target all their positions and grab him at the top of the second round, and he will be. I don't think George Pickens makes it into the first. I mean, we were already just talking five guys you know, before Pickens, and then there's this Christian Watson buzz, and now there's this Sky Moore buzz. There's really no George Pickens going in the first buzz unless either Kansas City or Green Bay really has an affinity for him. So he'll be there in the early second, and I just think that's a phenomenal value for George Pickens. And that dude is a dog of a blocker, and I got to think that carries a ton of weight with Salah and that Jets run scheme too. That dude will block well, in the fifth row. <laughs> like easily the fifth, not the fourth, the fifth. This was a fun exercise. I jotted down your answers, so we'll see if uh, we get any dream landing spots. I'll have to highlight them. Um, there is a chance there will be some impromptu recording if I make it down to the NFL draft. So keep, keep your ears and eyes out for that. If that happens, but uh, walk, this was, this was fun. Interesting to see uh, where you had some of these guys landing for fantasy, but that should do it for us. Unless there's anything else you want to add. Well, John, there is like some live entertainment going on. I forget who's opening. It's a notable band, but I believe day three ice cube is going to be performing. So I don't know if that sways you one way or the other, but getting a little cube with the rapid fire day three on a Saturday. In well, we mentioned day one sucks, so I'm definitely not going for opening day. You stand and around a lot day one, believe me. When it was in Philly, we went yes. day one, and you're just like, fuck. And it's late, and I'm hoping people uh, enjoy the partying a bit too much and are far too hungover to make it out on day two. And like we said, that's the day where most of the fantasy goodness comes. So. Mm-hmm. Tentatively, I'm planning on going down for day two. Uh, I'm excited. Well, like we should have in a different world. I should have planned to be out there with you. Things things happen. What can be done? I was going to be there all. I was going to do more time there, but as you know, I've sadly returned to work this week, so yeah. they well, they well, screwed well. me. But. Yeah. So remember that fight you got me into in 97, you asshole? Mm-hmm. <laughs> that I'm paying the price for it today. today. Wow. 25 years later, who would have thunk it? That the shit we did when we were in our 20s would come back to haunt us. I mean, yeah, we with, the exception, with the exception of actual yeah. murder, I don't think anything's supposed to <laughs> affect you 25 years later, right? Oh, I, I totally disagree. I mean, this just this literal lifestyle i led in my teens and 20s i know directly correlates to the way i feel every day but it shouldn't is my point oh i mean in a perfect world sure but yeah i'm not gonna go back and change it now so i I, I, every time i have to i wince putting on a t-shirt at 43 because i fucking jogged down to a bar when i was 17 or fucking 18 whatever that's that's upsetting if you would have just walked, the story would be totally different. <laughs> <laughs> <Get home. laughs> Sorry, I didn't make it in time. <laughs> Pull the hammy. Come and help me out. 
you know, the moment when you, you, your entire physical being was changed for the rest of your life. So imagine if you were one of these athletes we're going to talk about today. Yeah. And you're like, uh -huh. at 17 years old, I went down to fight, I get into a bar fight with a friend of mine, and I lost millions of dollars because now my shoulder <laughs> won't fucking stay in place yeah. when I play a combat sport. Imagine making that phone call. Hey, dummy. It cost me tens of millions of dollars. If you can't keep your fucking mouth shut or connect beyond well, a cigarette cool. on this guy's face. I was making. But it's time to hit him. I was making millions of bucks. I just get the, what's it, Tordal injection and, and move on. Well, no, you still need to get that thing popped in every time. You think about playing football. That shoulder would come out of place dozens well, of times. Did. I mean, that's why I ended up, I used to play a lot of basketball. And um, that's what was the end of that. Because if I if I went up for anything over my head, it would fucking if I got any if anybody hit me this way, that bitch would come right out. Wow. See, I just have an immense fear of my knees at this point, which is why I don't play baseball. I'm like, I just I'm just gonna like come and just tear something, like just land a certain way, or just even jumping in general and landing on hard surfaces. I was on a fucking uh, trampoline, like a kid's trampoline. When? This weekend, You're I was out of, in and in and out of there in ten seconds. <laughs> ah, ah. I was like, "Fucking my head ate, my head started hurting. My knees were like, ah, ah, this is gonna end." Well. I was like, "Out of there!" Like I was like, "Sorry, thought I could do it, can't do it." I wasn't even Oof. jumping. I was just like getting the re re residual impact of my kids jumping, and I was scared. Forty-two-year-old man, <laughs> my terrified, kids want terrified on a trampoline. My kids want a trampoline, and I'm always like, nah, this thing's too fucking dangerous. We're not going to have a trampoline here. And then both of them, all the time, they go, you let us do lots of dangerous stuff. and You're not going to let us get a trampoline? I'm like, no. <laughs> I go, that's not, that's uncontrolled danger. Yeah, my daughter, what's my daughter, eight? She's like, no, there's been, there's been head face-to-face -face impact so far. We haven't had any breaks or tears. Oh, it's yours. You have one in there. Oh, it's in our backyard. Yeah, my wife bought it and brought it home. Like I put together. <laughs> time I was like, oh whatever. I'm not I'm anti trampoline, but we'd take them to like those bounce like zones and stuff like that, which mm. is far more severe. The impact that you get on those things. And now they're doing gymnastics, which is just constant torque and trauma on the limbs. Because they're going off all these like little vaults and shit like that. So I mean, I'm highly exposing my kids to potential injury at this point. Yeah. 